Well, let's welcome you back to This Week in the Association. I'm Rob Panier, joined once again by my good buddy Kevin Luco. And man, Kevin and I are honored to welcome back Tanner Hoops, the incredible voice of the Sioux Falls Canaries, to give us his analysis tonight on the Game 2s in Round 2. So, Tanner, thanks for coming back and joining Kevin and I. Hey, always a pleasure, you guys. Appreciate you having me on. Well, I know Kevin didn't get as much of a chance to watch the games tonight because he was out at the lanes tearing them up. So uh, we'll we'll roll through here tonight and see how we're doing there. So uh, let's begin out in the east today. And uh, we began out in the west last time. So we'll begin out in the east here where Nick Green got off to a fantastic start. Actually, both him and Grigori Vasquez looked very good through the first three innings as neither team even had a hit through those first three. And, you know, Tanner, you got to see both these guys pitch this season. So I'm sure it was not a surprise to see both of them have quite a good start for their clubs. Yeah, we knew Vasquez was going to be good. He was going to bring it and give Milwaukee a chance to advance tonight. But Nick Green, I tell you, every so often, no disrespect to him, I mean, he's a really good pitcher, but every so often he just has one outing, it feels like, where he's untouchable. He had that against us in late June. And tell you what, he uh, he looked really darn unhittable tonight. Just He looked that part, and uh, Chicago needed it. You know, they had the, the, the home field advantage for a must-win game, too. They had to have it, and... Uh, he was able to deliver for him. So in a game where, you know, offense was at a premium, you get two really good pitchers going at it with about everything on the line. Uh, they both delivered. Just uh, Nick did a little bit more than uh, than Vasquez and company did. In the fifth, Milwaukee finally got their first base runner of the game. When Michael Krause reached on a walk, he moves to second on a wild pitch, then steals third and scores on the overthrow by Ryan Lidge as the ball went in the left field, allowing Krause to score. Kevin, Milwaukee led the league during the regular season in stolen bases, and you had to figure that in a tie game like that heading into the fifth, Anthony Brown's going to press the limit to try to get a run. No doubt about it. At that point, you know, they're going into this game thinking, let's get a win here, and then we can get ready for the final. So it's, uh, I think you pull out all the stops, and for a team that was that successful stealing bases this year, I mean, you you got you got to stick with what works for you. And anyway, you can manufacture a run this time of year. Every run is just so magnified when you get into the postseason. So, you know, good baseball on the part of Milwaukee to force the issue with the dogs. Tanner, your team, Sioux Falls, this season really turned to the stolen bases well. It, it, this has been kind of a lost art in baseball, but as you got to watch firsthand, you know, having a speedy team that can take extra bases or steal bases really is a huge advantage to your club. Yeah, 100%, Rob. And it seems like the stolen base was up league-wide this year. You know, we had 40 all of last season. That was dead last. I think 12th out of 12 in the league this year was somewhere just shy of 100. You know, I mean, stolen bases were just up throughout the league. And, you know, I, I'm excited to see that. I, I love that style of baseball. I'm glad it's not a total lost art. and It's kind of coming back in our league a little bit. I, yeah, I hope I hope it's here to stay. That at least stays as part of our game. But um, you know, you, I don't know what uh, reason you attribute that to. Maybe maybe the pitch clock. I'm sure has to have something to do with it. But you know, it was a big part of team success throughout this thing. You know, it was a big part of our turnaround. Like you said, Milwaukee set the uh, league single season record as a team, and you know that's kind of how they got to where they are as the top seed in the East Division. You look at a lot of those uh, those teams that stole a lot of bases and where they finished. Um, you know, there is a correlation there. So it, it is a little surprising to me that we're not seeing uh, as much of that as we have uh, for Milwaukee thus far in the postseason. Then again, you'll look at two of their five games and kind of like Ryan Lidge is behind the plate. So, you know, I, I know that that's a, a big part of it. You know, you're 
um, never want to test one of the best arms in the league if you really don't have to. But, you know, at some point it becomes where do you have to? Where does Anthony Brown feel like, you know, we got to uh, – the risk out, outweighs the, uh, you know, the alternative, you know, with uh, – uh, do you risk getting that guy an extra 90 feet? Because like Kevin said, every run is magnified in the postseason uh, versus Ryan Lidge throwing you out. So to me, that could end up being the key. And I, in fact, as of now, I'd, I'd probably say that is the biggest key. You know, if Milwaukee's able to advance tomorrow night is, you know, how many stolen bases do they get? How many stolen bases do they need to feel like they're going to win that game? And, and guys, does, does the disengagement rule have anything to do with this, you think? Say that again, Kevin? Do you think the disengagement rule has anything to do with that, too, where pitchers aren't able to hold runners on like they have in the past? I, I really do, you know, and I've asked a few guys this, and no one's really able to give me a definitive answer. There's a lot of theories going on out there, and one of the popular ones has been, you know, the, the disengagement limit. And, you know, I do think it helps guys time up pitchers a little bit more. You kind of get into their heads, and you think, okay, well, he's thrown over once. Surely he's not doing it again if I don't take up you know, monster lead. If, you know, I kind of stretch the boundary a little bit. I feel pretty comfortable. He's not going to throw over any mindsets like that, you know, and I, I do think that is probably more than anything, the biggest driving force and why we're seeing so many stolen bases around the league this year. But, you know, I would love to hear somebody kind of, you know, give me that definitive sport, uh, sports science answer, you know, type of thing, you know, but um, you know, I, I do think that's a big part of it. When you look at the new pitch clock rules and uh, dis, uh, disengagement rules, uh, I do think that's a big part of why we're seeing the stolen base so prevalent in the 2023 season. And shame on you me know. for not knowing this. Are the, are the bases bigger this year? Did they do that in, in our league, or is that just in, like, MILB and Major League? Not our league. Yeah, not our league. Okay. Heading to the bottom of the fifth, uh, Vasquez is able to retire the first two batters of the frame, but Dylan Rosa draws that dreaded two-out walk. Matt Bocher comes up after that, drills the ball into left center field that winds up bringing Rosa all the way around to score. That ties the game up at one. Tanner, uh, the two-out hit to score a run has been huge for the first two games of the series, actually including the Kansas City Sioux City uh, series. And it's kind of surprising to see those kind of numbers that we're seeing on the two-out hit uh, in in a, any kind of game. But, boy, th these clubs are sure proving that they can be clutch. Yeah, and, you know, this is kind of the point in the season where you separate those guys who've just got it. You know, they've got that clutch gene. They want the bat in their hands in the ninth inning when the lights are their brightest. And, you know, kind of the guys who are, you know, uh, separate the contenders from the pretenders, so to speak, you know. And I think that's uh, that's where stars are born, you know. As cliche as it is, stars are born in the postseason. And uh, the American Association is no exception to that. we got a great level of talent in this league. We've got a great player pool. And it's really fun once you get it down to the nitty-gritty like this. Season potentially on the line. Guys are just a couple of wins away from a championship. Who's uh, dialed in? Who's locked in? And uh, who's ready to go out there and get it for you? In the bottom of the sixth, Vasquez comes out. Kevin, the milkman turned to Frankie Bartow, who was so good early on in the season, but wound up moving back to the bullpen as he struggled after the All-Star break. He winds up giving the Ben Lavorsi home run right away. Bartow really kind of struggling, Kevin. Let's talk about that a little bit, as well as Lavorsi was such an instrumental part of the Red Hawks last season on their championship run. He comes out with a big homer today. Go Mavs. Go Chan, Go Chan Hanson Redbirds. Um. 
you know it. Right, the Mavs and the and the Redbirds, Ben Lavorsi with a with a huge home run. And when you look at that, that was a waiver wire claim, I believe. You're right. Uh, you know, Lavorsi wasn't getting many at bats for Fargo Moorhead, but boy, he he took his second chance with the um, dogs and ran with it and had himself a a good year with the dogs and in 298 and 34 ball games and boy what what a what a big hit tonight for him in the bottom of the eighth chicago adds one one more run tanner peyton eels has been just unbelievable for this team for joining joining the club he has a big double down the left field line to extend the lead for the dogs a guy you, i think we're kind of looking and and just expecting to come up with hit a hit every time he comes to the plate I tell you, we didn't get the chance to see him. We played them uh, both series before he was on the roster, but boy, he's been fun to watch. You know, I like to uh, tune into as many like uh, you know games and hear the other guys and you know uh, in my field, my colleagues uh, call games and what have you, and try to do that as much as I can. But we're not at the park, and from what I've caught with Chicago, boy, he is so much fun to watch. And you know, him and Lavorsi, you guys talked about a couple of mid-season additions that had uh, arguably the two most impactful performances for them tonight. And overall, throughout the season, you know, those two have been key contributors for what they've uh, been building over there in Chicago and building up to this. So, yeah, I, get, I give them a lot of credit over there in the front office and uh, some of the moves that they made and uh, how you're seeing it pay off. But, uh, man, I tell you what, Eels is one of those guys that he'd be really fun to see in a full 100-game American Association season. I kind of cop him to Brett Boswell down in uh, Cleburne. You know, if we see those guys play a full 100 games full season, and uh, hopefully that's here in the near future, could be really fun to see what kind of numbers they'll end up with. In the ninth, the dogs turn to Brian Schlitter looking to close out the contest. He gives up singles in two of the first three batters that he faces after striking out Michael Krause on a very nasty slider. He winds up giving a base up to Gabriel Cancel, uh, bringing Milwaukee within one. And, and, and Kevin, man, Brian Schlitter was so good most of the season. But, boy, he has really struggled in this postseason run for the dogs. That's tough. I mean, without seeing the game, I, were, the, were the hits well hit? Or were they yeah. leaders? Yeah, they were. No, they were well hit. Okay, so yeah, that, that tells you that maybe there's an issue there. Um, you know, we talked with Brad already before the Cleveland series ball, just how deep this bullpen is. And I think, yeah, you may have to give Schlitter a, a little bit of a break and um, go with one of your other great arms out of the bullpen, like a DJ Snelton or, a, or Newberry. So... That's a good thing about having that deep of a bullpen. If someone's struggling, well, this is the pull season. You've got to check your ego in at the door. You can't worry about Brian Schlitter's feelings right now. You have to worry about winning games. So you got to put your best guy possible out there. So next day situation for the dogs. I don't know if they're going to go to Schlitter. Chicago does replace him after giving up the base hit. Trevor Lane comes on, is able to get Drew Ward to ground out to end the contest. And, you know, you guys had uh, Tanner, the, the the guy who led the league in saves. But, you know, I think we're living in an age right now where if you can't have two or three guys that you can depend upon in an emergency situation to close out games, you're going to have problems. And Chicago was able to get that final out turning to late. Yeah, you know, with the, the Schlitter situation, everybody knows how good he is. But, you know, pitching in the postseason is a completely different animal. I think everybody will uh, uh, will tell you that. But, 
Um, he's a guy that I think you uh, you maybe chalk up what happened Monday night to a bad outing. You want to get a quick turnaround, short memory, what have you, put him back out there and give him a chance to uh, to erase that and say, okay, was it just a bad outing and this guy still got it? Uh, it was a shaky outing tonight. I know they ultimately won the game, but, yeah, it does make you uh, uh, lose a little bit of confidence going down the stretch. But tell you what, he is a former big leaguer. I, I trust that he's got a really good mindset. I don't know what – I don't want to speculate if there's uh, there's anything fatigue-wise going on. And you got to imagine at this point in the season with 100-something uh, games, including playoffs, that, you know, there probably is. But tell you, um, they've got a few guys in that pen that I really do like. And, uh, you know, I – I know that you'd love to have Slitter on his A game out there, as good as he is, and he's just about unhittable. But yeah, it doesn't hurt to have a few options to you know develop those guys. And you know, uh, uh, Cleburne over, or Clyburn, he's uh, he's done as as good a job as anybody has with the uh, pitching staffs over there, and you know could be uh, could be uh, honestly key to to winning tomorrow night. Before discussing tomorrow night's game. Uh, for Milwaukee, they had Matt Yazel who came in and, and gave the, I technically, I guess, the road broadcast, but it was the American Association broadcast from the league office. And I really enjoyed listening to him. I, I don't know if you've had a chance to listen to Matt much this season, Tanner, if he's called games before, but uh, from from a broadcaster, listening to another broadcaster, what was kind of your assessment of Matt's performance tonight? You know, Matt's done a great job this season. We were really excited that, you know, we brought him in and, Excited to see what uh, what his future is with the league, but you know he's a guy that's got all the future in the world in front of him, and uh, you know he's been he's really diligent about what he does. From what I've seen him produce, you know he's uh, uh, very meticulous, uh, detail oriented, and you know just uh, really refines things. I think that's the best way I can describe it. Is you know he refines things, and uh, you know I I think he's got a really bright future ahead of him. I think he was a really good get for the association this year. Kevin, you weren't surprised by his call of the game tonight at all. No, I wasn't. He had an opportunity to call the All-Star game with Tom Wynn. So people that watched the All-Star game did get a taste of him. And he's he's had experience calling games before. He, I believe he was in the Pioneer League last season, and, and he's also done Northwoods League. So it wasn't um, – he, he's not a stranger to the broadcast booth. So, you know, you hope that – his work this year gets rewarded, and you know maybe he gets a full time gig in either our league or a league somewhere else. And if not, well, we'd love to have him back and have him do his thing for the league again. Absolutely. So the two rookies, uh, two youngsters, going tomorrow night. So it'd be Stephen Lacey versus Kyle Mora here again. Both of them came up with big performances in the last series uh, for their club. So. Tanner, take me. Uh, who, who comes away with that victory on Wednesday, on Thursday? Excuse me. Yeah, it's going to be a really tough one. You know, I think that's another one that can come down to home field advantage. Uh, we didn't see um, uh, Chicago's man this season. You know, he, he was he wasn't with the team when uh, when we were there. But you know, we know what Kyle Mora brings to the table, and uh, you know, and as long as he's Kyle Mora, he's going to give his team a chance. And, and I tell you what, that's one I think is going to have a little more offense. No disrespect to the pitching staff or the pitching matchup for tomorrow. Uh, I just think both teams, both offenses are going to be locked in, ready to go. They had really good offenses during the regular season. And uh, with everything on the line, I think uh, that could very well end up being what determines this game. I think uh, the three things that you know come to mind are which offense can get dialed in, who's going to come through in the clutch, uh, you know, is Milwaukee going to look like the team that was stealing bases during the regular season? 
and uh, uh, tell you what what kind of start you can get uh, from your starting pitching. You know, if if you guys can uh, can continue to do what you've done throughout the year, um, you know, and got you to that point, I think uh, you know are, are going to be what determines this game. So, you know, it's it's tough for me to uh, to go either way, um, but you know. I'm going to go with Chicago, I think, because they're playing at home, but well, that's a coin flip game for me. Kevin, you had Chicago winning the series. Are you still riding with that? I think so, but I think the scenario you're going to see playing out tomorrow night, that's uh, those two young guys with Mora and uh, not Green. Um, Stephen Lacey. Help me out here. Lacey, yeah. Stephen Lacey. You know, it's yeah. going to. A couple of young guys there, so I would say the only guys that are not going to be available tomorrow night are are Wheeland, Green, Ryan Zimmerman, and Vasquez. Frankly, it's it's um it's going to be Johnny Allstaff, I think, for both teams. If they if either starter can give them six shutout innings, bonus. But I think both starters are going to be on the short leash because there's just you just can't mess around with it tomorrow night. You know, I do want to say one more thing about the game tonight. You know, Stephen Lacey's pitching game three, and it's at somebody's expense. And that person is Trevor Lane. But Lane, you know, it's got to be disappointing. You've been a starter a lot of the year. All of a sudden, you're not in the rotation for the playoffs. But you get your number called to save a game tonight, and he got the job done retiring Drew Ward. So, Give it up for Trevor Lane for coming in and getting the job done. But, yeah, to answer your question, I think Chicago's going to find a way. I think you're right. I I think that's a good point, Kevin. I'm going to say this. I think Christian Young is the difference in tomorrow's game, one way or the other. I'm going Milwaukee, but I think he winds up getting the victory. But if they do not win that game, it's going to be in the middle innings, and I think that's where – Milwaukee's able to pull out the victory tomorrow. So that's that's my call. Let's uh let's jump out to the West. So a game that really was over before almost as soon as it got started is Aston Godot was fantastic tonight for Kansas City. He did not get the game one start, Kevin. And uh I think some pe- if they lose this series, there's gonna be some question in that, but boy, he was sure on top of his game today. Goodell just he just looked like a true professional ex big leaguer out there like he is and boy in the postseason to give your team eight shutout innings that's pretty impressive and it oftentimes one of the things I like to talk about is sometimes you can win the next night's game the night before so with Goodell going eight innings now you got to completely rest. Why go pitch ninth inning for them? But you got a completely rested bullpen ready to go for a game three tomorrow night. So that's just, you know, when you think about it that way, it probably wasn't the worst thing waiting to use Godot on um, for the game tonight. So great game by him. Absolutely, and that is a very good point, Kevin. As Tanner, as you look at his performance here tonight, I mean, I think we kind of expected that he would be on top of his game, but boy, Sioux City had really no answers for him today. No, he just looked as good as advertised, did exactly what Joe Calpietra hoped he would, and, you know, I don't know if it was uh, maybe like uh, Kevin alluded to, strategic in uh, putting Godot as the game two starter this series, but 
Boy, if it does, and uh, if it was, and it works out, let me uh, let me say tip of the cap, Joe Calva Pietra uh, for pulling a rabbit out of his hat. I don't want to get too premature, get too far ahead of ourselves because uh, tomorrow night's shaping up to be a fun one, another coin flip game. But tell you what, if there was a little strategy that goes into that, it's going to be a move that people are going to talk about for a long time. Well, Kansas City jumped on top in the bottom of the second. Jan Hernandez, or John, I should say, Hernandez, hit his first home run of the game. He adds one in the fourth. You know, Kevin, we have watched Hernandez over the last few seasons. And I'll be honest with you, when I was kind of looking at his stats with 15 homers and a 308 batting average, it, it's the quietest season I think I've seen from Hernandez. I, and those numbers, they were, they were incredible. It's just that I didn't think, I, I guess he was struggling so early, I didn't think he was doing so well late. But he comes over the two homers tonight and shows what, what John Hernandez is supposed, has been about all the last few years. This afternoon, Dan Vaughn on his show mentioned that the wind would be likely blowing out to left field, and that definitely did have a factor as it did favor a batter like Hernandez who could go in. Hernandez is one of those guys. He could he could take a, a good pitcher's pitch and find a way just to golf it or do something with it and put it out and – as we saw tonight, one homer was to left field, one homer was to right center. And that's just the kind of batter Hernandez is when things are going well. That two-run lead holds until the sixth when Kansas City blows the game open with three runs. It's a, a double and two walks, load the bases. It looks like uh, uh, Parker Karachi is going to get out of the inning, but uh, ground ball to second base is booted. Uh, allowing two runs to score. And, you know, Tanner, we got to watch in last year's championship series how costly an error can be for a team. And, you know, at this time of season, with kind of the game on the line, 2 nothing is allowing Sioux City to get back on this game, but all of a sudden it's 4 nothing, and that error becomes huge. Yeah, you know, I mean, those self-inflicted wounds, like uh, Kevin said earlier, runs are going to get magnified a little more, you know, in the postseason. Uh, same thing with uh, with mistakes like that, especially when it's ones that, you know, uh, do lead to a big inning or a crooked number or whatever it may have been. Um, you know, tonight that kind of proved to be the difference because, like you said, it seemed to put the game out of reach. You know, Godot was uh, was pitching well as it was, but, you know, it just made a, a steep hill feel like it was a mountain to climb for Sioux City, and they just never really recovered from that. And as Tanner said, Kevin, they never do. They wind up, uh, Godot winds up going eight innings, allowing five hits and no walks while striking out five. And, uh, you know, an impressive turnaround for Kansas City after giving up 17 hits in game one of the series. You know, Godot comes in and shuts the door on him. And I guess you look at this, maybe, you know, Sioux City struggled to put up runs this season. And you got to wonder if maybe they shot their entire load in game one and, and what we're going to get out of game three. When it's a one game or one or done situation like that, so I just think you you got to have a real short memory if you're Sioux City, and just realize that you've had a lot of success against this Kansas City team this year, and all you got to do is just try to win one more game against the Monarchs to move on. You just take tonight and flush it away and come to the ballpark with a good attitude tomorrow. Well, I'll start with Tanner. Tanner, take me. Uh, who wins Game Three tomorrow night? 
you know, it's another one of those that I think is uh, very much a coin flip game that could go either way. But, you know, if you ask me, I'd rather be Kansas City. You know, you uh, you get to be at home. Uh, I think I like Miller Hogan uh, in this one, you know, just a little bit more than uh, the Sioux City side of things. You know, I, I just I think I trust, uh, you know, what I've seen from him uh, over the last month or so when he's pitching his best baseball um, you know, I, I, I just think you'd rather be Kansas City in this situation. But, you know, it's not to say, you know, Sioux City can't, uh, can't bounce back and find a way to split essentially a two-game set down there in Kansas City. Kevin? I have to agree with Tanner. My, um, you know, something I want to talk about with you guys after this, I want – I try to be a neutral guy here, but for certain reasons, and I want to touch upon those before we go. Um, I want Sioux City to win, wearing my league cap, but I have a feeling Kansas City is just so comfortable playing at Legends Field. They're winning their win-loss market. That field has just been incredible this year, and I just, I just don't see a scenario in which Sioux City can once again shut down the Monarchs, but you know my, you know like we we got to keep Steve Montgomery happy because he never wants us to exactly. pick him. Exactly. So he's celebrating right I'm now. I'm gonna go with. I got to go with Kansas City to win Game Three. Uh, yeah, I had them advancing, so I'm with you guys right there. So Kevin, give us the thought you were you had going on there. Well. This afternoon, a story came out about the lease proposals that were submitted to the Sioux City City Council, and the proposals were from, the, obviously, the Explorers and the Northwoods League. And the Northwoods League, you know, it's the same old dribble from them. Look at all the guys that played in our league that became Major League stars. Well... You know what? This is a similar rant I had earlier this summer. You're not going to see Northwood League players playing major league quality baseball. And for a good chunk of the year, you're going to see guys that were a backup player on Hamlin on your team just because you need bodies to fill the league. But once again, they're trying to sell their pedigree of all these guys that have gone on to the majors. And they're trying to, basically they're trying to, take over in the American Association market. And I just feel like if Sioux City can win a championship, it's just going to resonate with the city and it's going to resonate with the city council. You look at the proposals at face value, I think the Northwoods League did 25000 a year and the Explorers have offered 100000 They both made other side promises too. So... I'm hoping the city comes, does the sensible thing and keeps the team that has been loyal to the city, even when the city hasn't exactly been the most loyal to the franchise. And and I hope we don't have to talk about this again and that the Explorers will stay in Sioux City. Tanner, Sioux City is the biggest rival of Sioux Falls, a one-hour drive there, so... I know you got to be hoping that that rivalry stays in place. Yeah, you know, as much as I'm not supposed to say it, you know, it is fun having Sioux City in this league. You know, Sioux City and Sioux Falls is a great rivalry, you know, and it has been for years. 
um, you know, it's fun to have those kind of series, those commuter series and uh, that, that kind of a short trip where fans can travel and, you know, and be at the other's park and really get, you know, uh, get a full rocking atmosphere going. So, you know, I think that's good for the league to have something like that. And, you know, on, on a side note, as somebody who spent time in the Northwoods League, the last thing they need to be doing is expanding at this point. You know, they, there's way too many teams in that league right now. You're diluting the talent pool way too much and just – you know, I, I'd like to see the American Association keep Sioux City one way or another. And you know, another well, point, me... and I believe I made this before, guys, is that I went to Mankato for a Northwoods League championship series game. Big deal, huh? You're playing for a championship. Mankato had to play a pitcher in right field and only had like 12 – maybe 15 guys on their entire roster for the championship series because most of the guys had already gone back to college. You would never see that in the American Association. You're absolutely right, and that's uh, something you got to kind of – I, I, you know, I think all of us are on the same page with this. It would be a terrible blow to the city – and both leagues, in a way, if that wound up becoming an, uh, a franchise for uh, the Northwood League. There's just no real benefit for anybody. It's just going to be de- depending on, you know, how, what I guess, however the city sees their relationship with the Explorers and then how they, you know, how they are, wh- what they're willing to do to keep that relationship going, I guess. So I've been be told the... I've been told the mayor has a very good relationship with John Roost for what that's worth. I know it's the city council that's got to decide on it, but I'm sure the mayor is going to have quite a bit of input on in the decision also. So you hope that that too will also be to the advantage of the explorers. And guys, it's not going to get any better. If somehow they got Sioux City, I guarantee you they're going to go after Sioux Falls. Yeah, yeah, I, that could be. I uh, wouldn't wouldn't be shocked. And my goodness, uh, well, what does what does the American Association do here? Is it time for the association once they get the southern expansion taken care of to maybe fire back a bit at the Northwoods League and let's let's try to go into some of their markets. Uh, I, I think a team in Madison with a new ballpark would be pretty dang, would be a, quite a draw, don't you think? They're getting 6,300 yeah, 6, a night into a real bad ballpark with Warner Park. Imagine what a nice new ballpark in a city like Madison would do. I say it's time to run up against them. When, when they raise them into the proposal... When they submit the proposal to Sioux City, I, I say that that's shot fired right there. I'm with you. I think you go for that. Well, Kevin, let me uh, before we hand out here tonight, um, we, we got to give some some dap to my my co-host out there who is has Quebec uh, dominating in the frontier league series they won both of these first two games including tonight a 7-6 victory in both of these first two contests before talking about those specifically uh josh allen went out there and joined evansville after being released by the kane county cougars homered in game one of that series but 
we love Josh and, and glad to see he's continuing on his baseball career, returning to Evansville out there in the Frontier League. Yeah, Josh was Josh holds several records for the Evansville franchise. He ought to end. I believe it was a situation where three of their key players were not allowed to go into Canada for the series. So uh, maybe the Frontier League made a made an exception and allowed Evansville to pick up a player or two just so that they could put a competitive lineup out. So we'll see what happens. But, you know, the final three games are going to be in Evansville. So maybe, I don't know, maybe Allen's not allowed to play and they can get their all three of their regular guys back. We'll see what happens there. But it was I was watching last night, and it was pretty cool to see Allen hit a big two-run homer at the time, unfortunately, for the Otters. It wasn't enough as the Lake Capitals put up three runs in the last and the ninth to win. Tanner, you watch a lot of baseball. Pretty hard for a team to come back from a 2 nothing deficit and try to win all three games at home. It's tough, but it can be done. And, you know, Evansville, I don't know a whole lot about them, but they're in the championship for a reason. So, hey, I tell you, all bets are off at this point in the season. St. Paul 2019. That's absolutely right. It does happen. And Josh Allen would know about that. So that that could be a deja vu for him. So, well, that's fantastic. Well, the three of us will return back tomorrow night after game three. And we'll not only uh, recap those games and analyze the contest themselves, but look ahead to the championship series, giving our predictions. And uh, hopefully we continue on a good roll here. So, For Tanner Hoops and Kevin Luco, I'm Rob Panier. We'll see you next time on This Week in the Association.